Just consider his greatness. Get your eyes on him just for a moment here. How is he great in your life? Can you resonate with these words? Great are you, Lord. In a spirit of thanksgiving, I know that you are carrying people and burdens. Why don't you let him know, or he knows already, but why don't you agree with him in giving those things to him right now? Cast your cares on him, knowing he cares for you. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise in our lungs so we pour out our praise in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only. Consider his greatness. All glory, honor, and praise forever and ever. To him who sits on the throne, praise be to God. Praise be to God. Thank you, guys. You can have a seat. Yeah. How's everybody doing this morning? All right. I like that well. That was a nice well. That was full of oxygen. Awesome. Well, well, yeah, spring up a well within my soul. Let the well spring up. Awesome, awesome. Anybody take advantage of the extra hour last night? Okay. Yeah, you look better today. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I think, I think, you know, every Friday night that we should turn our clocks, you know, kind of back and then, then get to Saturday and turn forward again. That would be, I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> always thinking, always thinking. Super, super. Well, good to be here today. Beloved. The Gospel of John, uh, one big question today, who do you think you are? <laughs> can you say that? Who do you think you are? Come on, can you say it like really derogatory? Who do you think you are? How about who do you think you are anyway? Who do you think you are anyway? <laughs> yeah. The premise of the Gospel of John is chapter 20, verse 31. Let's read that together. I believe we have it here, so let's do that. These things are recorded 
in order that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now look at those last bit of words. By believing you may have life in his name. By believing you may have life in his name. Let's say that together. By believing you may have life in his name. Please hear that. Please hear this great gift from God. And, and how we see that today in our text boils down to really two questions. Knowing who you are and knowing who you are not. Let's watch for it here in our text. Chapter 1, verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. John the who? John the Baptist. John the Baptist as opposed to John the author of the book. John, the author of his book, never refers to himself by name. So these first three chapters, we get a little confused. When he says John, he's talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist is busy baptizing. We're going to learn a little bit about baptism here going forward a little bit. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? There it is, point number one. Young man... Who do you think you are? Got to get it. And it's just that derogatory. Young man, who do you think you are? Verse 20, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And right there is point number two. Do you know who you are not? (laughs) Yeah, let's keep going. Verse 21, and they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? Who do you think you are? Oh my goodness, they keep pressing the issue. We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? He said, I am the voice. I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. And that's the third point right there. Are you willing to at last come to this surrendered place in your life where you're nothing more than a road sign that points to someone greater. Those are the three points. So point number one, who do you think you are? It's, it's very demeaning. I want you to get the demeaning tone right here. A young child in class gets in trouble and the teacher asks, young man, who do you think you are? What exactly do you have to say for yourself? Two cars collide in a, in a parking lot. Driver one sticks his head out the window and snarls, just who do you think you are anyway? Immediately, the driver of car number two gets out, walks over, puts both hands on driver one's door and leans in saying, I'm Lefty Burnham, former heavyweight champion of the Navy. And at 203 pounds, I want to know just who do you think you are? Well, driver one stammered, "Um, I'm Bill Cannon, insurance salesman, and I apologize at 150 pounds. (laughs) I, I just need you to hear this because this is really the tone of what's going on. Just who do you think you are? And the real problem is to be unfolded in verses 24 and 25 where notice these religious police had been sent by the religious establishment. And verse 25, they ask, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? So what they're asking is, 
what are your credentials for doing what you're doing? We need to know. See, they cared more about their religious rules and protecting their system than anything else. And whatever power they thought they had hold of, they were going to guard it with everything in it. And so here comes this, this wild-eyed, locust-eating, homeless mountain man with long, straggly hair, unshaven, dressed in a camel pelt, and he's baptizing people. Now understand Jewish baptism at this time. It was reserved for Gentiles, right? Clean Jews as opposed to unclean non-Jews who were converting to Judaism. And it just symbolized this dirty old Jew at last coming clean by coming to the Jewish faith. And now here's John treating Jews as though they are the unclean Gentiles. Unheard of. But it's a different baptism. It's a different baptism together. It's a baptism where the message John has been given goes like this. You call yourself children, you call yourselves children of Israel, God's kids, but you are deceiving yourself, and it's time that you turn from your self-seeking sinful ways to at last understanding and embracing God in His ways. And so right there, the question turns to us this morning as we consider, who do you think you are? Who do I think that I am? Do I think that I'm all that, or have I finally come to this place of repentance and recognizing and turning from my self-seeking sinful ways in order to at last grab a hold of God and His ways? That's the path to real life, and it begins with the question, who do you think you are? But we go on to the second one, are you willing to embrace whom you are not? So these religious police ask, just who do you think you are? Just who do you think you are anyway? In verse 20, John cuts right to the chase. Now notice this. He says, if what you're really asking is, do I think that I am the Christ, the, the Messiah, the long-expected hope of humanity, then please hear me just as clearly as I can possibly state it. I am not. Oh, okay, well then, we know that in the last days, Elijah's supposed to reappear. Do you suppose maybe that you're Elijah? Nope, sorry guys, not him. Okay, well then, what about the prophet? Do you think that you are the prophet? And the Jews continue today to have a misunderstanding of Moses when he, when he gave a prophecy of the coming Messiah, they still think that, it's, that this, this, this is some sort of last day prophet, ultimate prophet. And John says, nope, not him. Okay, okay, we give up. Then who do you think you are? And notice right here, verse 23, how he strips himself, himself from all possible credentials. Notice what he says. Just a voice. See, John knew who he was. John knew who he wasn't. And, and right here, this question the religious police are asking John, it's a good one for you and I to consider. In fact, I think one of the great blessings, personally, of, of growing older is at last coming to grips with who I am and, and who I'm not. I think I'm just 
barely beginning to get a handle on it. You know, you'll have to ask somebody close to me and find out if anything's changed, really. I mean, you know, truth is, I think I've lived most of my life with pretty high estimations of myself. I don't like that. As a young man, I rode this roller coaster of feelings. There were times I felt like a victim. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I think I'm going to go eat worms, right? You ever feel that way? But there are other times I felt on top of the world, and I just wanted to sing, we are the champions, my friends. Yeah, I like those times a whole lot better. Yeah. Yeah. But a big part of what's allowing me to get a grip on this and a handle on this is a proper assessment of self. And I certainly wouldn't want to stand up here and tell you that I'm perfected in this. I haven't arrived. I'd like to think, though, that with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the Word of God coming alive and some Christian brothers and sisters walking with me, I'm a little further along. But my early years of ministry, I think, were, were maybe the worst. And I think it goes like this. Has anyone beside me discovered that trying to live up to everyone else's expectations is exhausting? Yeah, yeah, thank you, yeah, right, that's a pretty good picture. A preacher named Michael Descoli lived his whole life as if the world depended on him. And then one morning he woke up deathly ill, high fever, turned out he also had pneumonia. His doctor said that he needed to stay in bed a few days, but Michael protested, no way. Do you realize how important I am? Do you realize how many people are depending on me? I cannot be sick today. I can't be sick any day. And at that very moment, he passed out and found himself standing in heaven. So to a surprise, everything was in disarray and everyone in a panic. And then an angel approached the father's throne, handing him what looked like a very important memo. Father God read it and said, Oh no, what in heaven's name are we going to do? All the angels pressed in and in chorus they wanted to know, What is it God? What's the matter? God said, I just don't know what we're going to do. Michael Descoli is sick today. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had anyone try to make a Messiah of sorts out of you? Yeah. Our first response might be to try to undermine any possibility of God using us. Oh, I'm so sorry to to have confused you, but I am not your salvation. In fact, I really have nothing of worth that I can give to you. I mean, if this whole family is going to try to, to, to lean on me as the rock, then I've got to tell you we're all going down. And, and you're looking at me for, for answers, yet I haven't even figured out what the question is yet. So what do we do? We let everybody down, right? Just have nothing to offer? No, that's not the point. But the point is we're just asking people not to set us up on these pedestals made of playing cards. We're never intended to fill those. Our role is just like John the Baptist, just a voice. A voice that makes room for the only one who ever could and ever will be the hope of anyone who will put their trust in him. So here's some more questions. How about you? And being completely honest, just you and God right here, have you discovered and embraced who you are not 
And in that, can you begin to celebrate who you are? Unique in every way, designed in such a way that God wants to use you. Who do you think you are? Can you embrace who you are or not? Which leads to the third thing. Are you willing to simply point to someone else? Are you willing to be a lamppost that simply holds up the true light, Jesus Christ? A signpost that says there is one way, and that one way is Jesus Christ. Look at verse 23. Let's continue on in our text. John the Baptist said, I am the one, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Verse 26, John answered these religious police, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. You do not know. You don't know him. Verse 27, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Verse 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. And here's how John knew that this was truly the Messiah. He said, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him. Did you catch that? The moment ago he said, you do not know him. But John is is, uh, relating to them. He says, I myself did not know him. Very interesting. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, watch this, he, he was given notice ahead of time, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, and I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. Now, if, if you're aware of the context and what's taking place in all this, then you know that something's missing. And you know that in the other Gospels, we're told it was at this point that John baptized Jesus. But he doesn't need to talk about that here because there's something bigger being stressed. All of this is about Jesus Christ, who alone is the way to real life. And John, just a sign pointing to the one who is real life. And maybe that's why he stressed three times. Look at it, verse 26, verse 31, and verse 33. John came baptizing with water. Water is a symbol of life. It's a universal symbol of life. But John's baptism is a symbol that points to something greater that is real life, pointing to Jesus who came baptizing with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is just going to become more and more important as we begin to dig in to John. But consider this now. John didn't know at first, who Jesus was. Now, if, if you know Luke chapters 1 and 2, then you can say, really, John the Baptist didn't know who Jesus was. Because you know that in the Christmas story, John's baptism was miraculous. His parents were beyond birthing years. It was a miracle. He was a fulfillment of prophecy. His parents had divine revelation from an archangel 
And he knew, he had been taught that he would be the voice of the one who would point the way, the Messiah, the Messiah who was born of a relative of his very parents, yet like these guys, he's so honest to say, I didn't get it at first either. Certainly a relative, I mean, who would ever think that that person would be a Messiah? I had all kinds of other names for him. But I recognize him because the Father told me, watch for the one of whom the Spirit descends and remains. And if you know the baptism story, you can see it. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove on Jesus, and there the Holy Spirit stayed. It happened exactly as he's been told, and John wants us to know that he is a witness to the reality that you might have life in his name, that this really is the Messiah. Do we have any witnesses in the room this morning? Do we have any witnesses in the room this morning? I'm wondering, do we have any witnesses in the room this morning? Has God shown anyone here who it is that Jesus is? Huh? Anyone here, just a voice that's pointing to God, to Jesus, you know, saying, I am a voice, right? But behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Anybody here would say, I didn't see it at first. But somehow God made it known to me, and now I see, and I want to know, and I want everyone to know, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Maybe today God's showing you that. You know, get the picture of what's taking place. In this day, kings and dignitaries would travel with their caravans, but things would be carefully planned in front of them to make sure everything was ready. And, and in that was this forerunner. And he'd go to the town square, right? No cell phones, right? No Amber Alerts going off, nothing on the computer, no emails. Go to the town square, the gathering center, and he would announce, make preparations. The king is coming. And the whole town would come together to make sure everything was right. The forerunner, just a voice, did his job. He goes on his way, and now everybody's spreading words. If the people took his message seriously, it was out of honor for their king, out of, out of honor for their leader, or at least out of fear of what might happen if they didn't do well. But get the point. It was all about the king. And religion, religion, religion gets it backwards it puts the focus on me and on you just who do you think you are but the but faith puts the focus on him i know who i'm who i'm not but i do know the one who is and and and, and this battle of embracing who we are and who we not can be summed up in that one word, the word religion. And I cannot say it strongly enough that if I could, I would eradicate religion from all the churches. I, I would do it. I would do it. Now, now, I know that may seem sound strange. I mean, a person comes to faith and those closest to him begin the little buzz and the chatter and they're saying, oh, did you hear he got religion? And according to Webster, they'd be right. I mean, listen to Webster. Relating to or manifesting faithful devotion to, a, to an acknowledged ultimate reality or deity devoted to religious beliefs or observation. So sure, in theory, 
Christianity is devotion to Jesus Christ. But the problem comes down to practice because in practice it gets reduced to my beliefs, my observations, and the problem is God is a person and not a system of my, 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 my beliefs and my observations. Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. And that word know is not head knowledge, it's relational knowledge, it's relationship with the living God, and I'm not out of my mind, I'm saying really, really, walking with him, understanding his voice, and knowing I am not alone, it's all about relationship. Religion, religion demands that I strive with hopes of somehow gaining God's, you know, applause. Way to go, buddy. Religion suggests that somehow I've got to earn God's love, and it's based on how I grew up in the home. You got to earn that love, or, or you know, if you don't earn it, you're going to get something worse. Religion, oh man, oh man, am I saying this? It causes us to compare ourselves to each other. It feels pride. Uh, it brings out the worst in people. Look at me. Look at what I am. Look what I've done. But Christianity is at last embracing who I am not. Nobody is that good save Christ alone. And Christianity is knowing what we are. Here it is. Loved by God enough that he would pay the ultimate price in order to bring us back into relationship with Creator God. And, and so it's from this position that we become lampposts who hold up the one true light, Jesus Christ. That we become road signs that declare, look to Him and live. And, and, I, and whenever I say that word, look to Him and live, I just have to get the image on all of our ambulances, right? All our rescue vehicles, always a snake on a pole, always a snake on a pole, and I'm just reminded what that is because in the book of Exodus, God got so angry with the rebellious people, he sent vipers and they started biting and people started dying, right? So they asked for a solution, right? And God said, put a snake on a pole and if people look to the snake on the pole, they will live. And Jesus said, I am the snake on the pole. So whenever you see those vehicles, remember, look to Jesus and live, right? And this is how we become forerunners who declare the king is coming. Get ready to stand before him. He really is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Please don't think I'm looking for any credit for me. Just let me be pointing to him. I want you to know him. I want you to see him. So I reject religion for this purpose. Above all else, I want to know him and I want to be known by him. This is our scripture today. Who do you think you are? Can you embrace who you're not? And will you at last be a road sign that points to him? Let's pray. Oh God, thank you for life. Thank you for life through Jesus Christ. And my burden today is that someone here 
is just living for today and they have no sense of eternal destiny. And therefore their existence is pretty futile. It's meaningless. And I just want to believe right now you're drawing them to yourself. And for the rest of us, thank you for reminding us that it's all about you and it's never been about us. And maybe someone today is celebrating their spirit who you created them to be. And we'll begin walking in that. So at this point, we like to ask two questions for us to consider. The first question is, um, what is God's spirit saying to you this morning? And then the second one is, fits right with it. Are you willing to say yes to him in whatever that is? It's between you and God. Please consider it. Let's